Daniel chapter 6, we're going to look from verses 16 to 24 this morning before we pray and are seated. Uh, and then we're going to back up into the early parts of the chapter and cover that as well. Um, but Daniel chapter 6, beginning in verse number 16, the Bible says, Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And the stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting, neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste into the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel, and the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel, and hath shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel. And they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, their wives. And the lions had the mastery of them, and break all their bones in pieces, or ever they came to the bottom of the den. Then King Darius rode unto the people, unto all people, Nations and languages that dwell in, the, in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed in all his dominions, shall be even unto the end. I want to speak to you this morning on this thought. Serve the Lord continually. Let's pray. Father, as we... Lord, begin this morning. I pray that you would meet with us. Holy Spirit, we need you. Uh, Lord Jesus, I pray that as we've gathered here together in your name, that you would meet amongst us. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be opened, that our lives would be challenged. Lord, that we would have our faith increased as a result of having come together today. In Jesus' name and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. You know, when we look at this story, I realize that for most everyone that's here, the story of Daniel and the lion's den is not a new concept. It's not a new story. It's not something that we don't uh, have a good uh, understanding and feeling of. And I, I really this morning want to look at this in the context of where Daniel is in his life. He is near the end of his life. Uh, he is an older man. He has been serving now. This is the third king that he served. Uh, he has gone through a series of things in his life. And I think the lesson that I want us to take from this is that as we look at his life, that no matter what he faced, he was serving God. You know, I think when you go through what we're going through as a nation and indeed globally, when we come back to the service, and I stated this in the, in the first service this morning, it almost in some ways feels like a, a grand opening, like a relaunch, but yet not one that you can kind of pull out all the stops and really try to make a big deal out of. Uh, at the same time, uh, it, it's, it's, you know, it, it feels like you know, we're, we're just kind of coming home. And so uh, as we look at those things and we consider all the things that we're taking into account and going through, one of the things that you always in those situations 
is what am I going to preach? What am I going to, what songs are we going to select? What are, how are we going to present things? How, how is this going to look uh, when you come together? And I think that this passage, the Lord directed me to this and spoke to me about it because I think that there's a lot here that relates in his life that relates to what we've been going through over the last several weeks. And I think that you'll see that as the message develops this morning. Uh, and so, you know, I think that there are a lot of people that just serve God at their convenience. There are a lot of people that uh, if things are going well, they'll serve the Lord for a while. If things get really bad, then they want to serve God because they're desperately in need of him. But that's not Daniel's life. That's not the picture that Daniel gives us. And what we want to be as a Christian, what I want to be as a Christian is steady. Uh, I just want to be a steady rock wherever I go. And as a pastor, I need to be. But even before I was a pastor, I wanted to be that for my family. I wanted to be that for maybe a class that I taught or other people's lives that I was involved in. Uh, I, I was kind of the calming force. I was never too upset or never too been out of shape, never too, though I have my moments. But for the most part, uh, it's just um, kind of boring and steady as she goes in that way. And I think there's a lot to be said for that in the Christian life. We look at Daniel and he's gone through crises in his life. It's not like uh, he doesn't understand what hardship is. And you look at Daniel and his life uh, and how he lived. He as a young boy was snatched from his mom and dad in his home. Uh, perhaps his family was killed. We don't know that. But uh, he was pulled away. He was taken to Babylon. Uh, he was made a eunuch. He was trained to be a servant in the palace. Uh, even at that stage of life, he was willing to say, I'm not going to defile myself with a portion of the king's meat. He took a stand. And he led his friends that were with him in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to take a stand with him. And God blessed them because of it. Uh, and even as they went through their training, as they grew and they were turned out and developed, and they went out into uh, their place of service, if you will, uh, they were on the outside. They, they weren't amongst those. When Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and summoned the magicians to come and interpret the dream, and then when no one could, uh, he was going to execute everybody, including Daniel and his friends. And, uh, and Daniel was the one that just stopped and said, I know that no one knows me, but except for the captain of the garden who he was, he said, why is this so hasty of an order come from the king and he told him and he said let me have some time to pray and he prayed in faith and he went to God and God gave him an answer and he came and he uh, he gave the the interpretation of the dream to the king and he uh, saved uh, those amount of people and then he was risen to a, a height of, of prominence and influence within the kingdom uh, and then uh, he stayed there for a considerable amount of time and then Nebuchadnezzar dies and uh, Belshazzar his son takes the throne and Daniel is an outcast he's off in the background again you don't see him he's not in the limelight and uh, and uh, he is uh, kind of lost his position and authority but still he's serving the Lord uh, and then a hand writes on a wall Belshazzar uh, the corrupt and uh, and uh, uh, ungodly uh, young man that he was, and he can't understand the writing. And so his wife remembers Daniel, remembers that Daniel gave an interpretation to his dad. And so they send for him and he comes and he prays and God gives him uh, the news. And he was bold. He wasn't afraid to give him the news even when it was bad news. Because the thing that the hand of God wrote on the wall was, you have been weighed, Belshazzar, in the balance and you have been found lacking or wanting. Uh, and you're going to die tonight. And then Darius 
comes in and kills him that night. And, uh, and here's Daniel. Uh, he is again thrust to the, to the limelight and the pinnacle of authority that he could reach at his level. Uh, and then uh, he is on with his life again. So what you see in his life is he's up and he's down and he's up and he's down and he's going through times of threat. He's going through times of isolation. He's going through times of loneliness. He's going through times perhaps of, uh, of depression and all of the things that, he, that you would feel in those circumstances taken from his home, made a eunuch, uh, threatened with execution, uh, forgotten and banished to the side, brought back and and then now in our text this morning, uh, we see him again, though D Darius loves him. Uh, and Darius is uh, a king that has bound his, their hearts are bound together. They've got common ground and they're, uh, they're clinging to one another. You could you make a strong case that they were, they were good friends. They were more than just a counselor. And he, he mits, makes three presidents over different areas and provinces of his kingdom and makes Daniel over them. But they're ungodly men. And they hate Daniel. And they can't find anything to make accusation against Daniel. They can't find any flaws in his character. They can't find any, uh, any uh, missteps in the way that he conducts his professional life. And so they uh, wait until he's not around. And they go to Darius and they uh, convince Darius to make a law that if anybody prays to any other God, then they're going to be thrown a lion's den. And he signs the order. Sounds like a great idea, but he doesn't put it against Daniel's advice. And inadvertently, he condemns his friend to death. And he's angry at the men that deceived him, but he can't undo the law. And he can't strike it down. He's bound to send Daniel out here. And we see that recorded here in the first part of the chapter. In verse uh, 1 it says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. There's a whole sermon right there just in an excellent spirit being within him. Daniel was who he was because an excellent spirit was in him. He, he was not someone that was uh, wishy-washy. He was someone that was firm, that was strong, that stood his ground, that served God continually. But he's going to have to have that tested. And what we look at and we see here, first of all, this morning is that Daniel was able to serve God in times of feasting. And so he served him in the feast. Now I realize that, that there's not technically a big feast going on here, but my point is this. When things were good, when the needs were met, when there was no, <coughs> when there was no threat, Daniel served God. He served him. Now I think there's some parallels here to what we've been going through as, as globally and as a nation and as a church over the last eight weeks or so is, is this, that, that all of us here this morning serve God at least on some level. And so all of us would say that through this pandemic, we have been serving God. I, most of you, I see you watching the live stream. I can see comments that are made. I can see interactions in different postings and, uh, and I appreciate the faithfulness. But sometimes it's, it's easy to serve God when everything is going well for a while. But here's the danger. The danger is, is that when things are going well, it's easy to slip into a time of complacency. 
Uh, when, there's, when there's not a struggle, when there's not a setback, when there's not a problem, it's easy to just get into the groove of the Christian life uh, and to get into the groove or the, the, uh, of, of serving the Lord, of having devotions, of spending time in prayer, of attending church services, of uh, even going out and trying to reach out to others. And we get kind of locked in this schedule, which is not a bad thing. But it tends to, without any kind of problems or any kind of, of uh, challenges arising, put us in a time and a period of complacency. Where we just kind of rest on our laurels and we just kind of take things easy and we take things for granted. Uh, and so w I feel like in a circumstance like what we've been going to, usually you either have a time of great complacency or you have a time of great trial. I think what we've been going through for the last several weeks is both. I think that we have, for the most part, and I realize that not everyone's schedule is more relaxed than it was, but for the most part, most people have a little bit more relaxed schedule. Certainly, the church demands have been more relaxed. There hasn't been scheduled services three times a week. There hasn't been uh, outreach on Saturday. There hasn't been uh, a lot of other things that would go on intermittently uh, that were regimented and scheduled. So at least from that realm, things are a little bit more relaxed. And so while on the one hand, we have great uh, potential danger and attain something that would drive us to God. On the other hand, we have uh, kind of this complacency that, that's there to where it makes it easy to just sit back. Well, I'm just I'll watch the service later or I'm not going to uh, get as, as engaged as I would be. Certainly, it doesn't take as much effort uh, to sit and watch something online as it does to get up, to get dressed, to get fixed, to drive across town, to come in, to intermingle and, and to, to participate in the service. And so what we see in Daniel's life is all of the things that we've been facing at different points in his life demonstrated for us. And what we see in his life is his consistency, his stability. He served him in the feast. And so we see him at a time when, uh, when he is on top. I mean, he is counselor to Nebuchadnezzar. He's the one that interpreted the dream and told him what the statue meant and who it was. And he told him the bad news of, you're going to go out and uh, you're going to become a wild animal for seven years. And uh, then you're going to lose your mind. And then it's going to be restored to you. Uh, and he tells him all of that. And he's able to hold that authority and that command, that respect, and give that advice. And he's walking with God. And he has uh, a, a custom where he goes, to the open window in his house morning, noon, and night and he kneels and he prays and it's that everyone that knows him can see him. It's not hidden. It's, it's out there in the open. This is Daniel. This is who he is. This is what he does. This is the God that he serves but he's a just man. He's an honorable man and the king trusts him and he's been there and he's serving God and he's just faithful. When all is well, he's serving God. I mean, you know, we look and we would think intellectually that when everything is well, it's just easy to serve God. It's easy to rejoice. It's easy to be happy. It's easy to praise the Lord. But the sad fact of the matter is, is that when things are easy for too long, our tendency is to take God more for granted. It's kind of like what we do with our families. It's what we do with our uh, parents or our husbands, our wives, our, uh, our children, those relationships. If everything is steady, we just kind of get into a groove and take everyone for granted. And when it's brought to our attention, then we kind of address it or sometimes we deny it or uh, make excuse for it. But the reality is, uh, is that it's who we are. It's what we do. It's in our nature. And so when all is well, he's serving him. Could I ask you this morning, how well have you served him with the complacency? 
with the ease, with a relaxed schedule, with, that, with fewer demands outside of uh, familial and, and work demands. Even those that uh, work from home, it's just not as much demand. It's not as much uh, oppressing our time and our schedule. How well have we served the Lord? How engaged have we been in our devotional life? How engaged have we been in prayer? Oh, Pastor, I've read my Bible every day. Have you, have you really? I prayed every day. Have you really? Has it been a casual, flippant reading that you barely can remember what you've read? Did your mind wander through while you were reading it? Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I can't tell you how many times I sit down to read a chapter or two or three of my Bible and have to go back and I get to the end of it and can't remember anything that I just read. Uh, my mind drifted and I know I read every word, but I can't tell you a thing that it said unless it's just a passage that I know well and I have to go back and do it again. Where we pray and we have a conversation, but... Uh, you know, if, if, you, if you're married, you can appreciate this. Uh, where, where you have a full-blown conversation and one of you's checked out and you're there and you're responding and you're articulating, but your mind is somewhere else and, and you, at the end of the conversation, have no idea what you just talked about and you can't even remember what you said or how you answered. Every wife in here is jabbing her husband right now. That's, that, that's human nature. We pray that way too. We don't just communicate with one another that way. We communicate sometimes to God that way. Can we check off our list? Yes, I prayed. Sure we can, but we didn't really pray. We weren't really engaged in the conversation. We weren't really engaged with the one that we serve. What I'm saying this morning is that Daniel was engaged. He was engaged in the process even in times of, of, of feasting, even in times when things were well, even in times when things were going his way, when times when I would say when all is well and I would say when needs are met. You know, isn't it amazing how whenever we've got needs that it drives us to God? Isn't it amazing how if there's not a meal, uh, if there's not things in the cupboard to make the next meal, uh, or you go to the store to get what you need and you can't find it, how it suddenly if it gets to where everything is gone, we get a little bit more desperate, we get a little bit more focused, our prayer life becomes a little bit more meaningful, uh, we, we become a little bit more uh, aware of what's going on around us. What I'm saying is we need to serve God in those good times. Continue to serve God. Serve Him passionately when things are good. Serve Him passionately uh, and be engaged in the process when our needs are met, when our health is good, when all is well, serve the Lord. Serve him fervently. And we see that in Daniel's life. In verse 3, he tells us, Then Daniel was preferred above all the presidents. But what's he doing? He's serving God. Secondly, this morning, see that he served him in the famine. He served him in the famine. Daniel knew what it was like to go through some tough times. You know, there are a lot of, a lot of uh, people are just kind of, this is maybe their first experience of going through a hard time. Or younger people and, uh, and uh, children, for, uh, especially uh, in many cases, it may be their first time of, uh, of, of going through something that's just so abnormal and so out of the way. They, they, they didn't go through 9-11 or they didn't go through uh, the Gulf War. They didn't go through some of the other things of the past that really just kind of focus everyone as a nation and brings everybody and gets everyone's attention. This is the first event of this kind of that magnitude that we've had and uh, probably since 9-11. And, uh, and it's one of those things that we look at and it just, uh, it, it's a time of drought. 
I think all of us are, are suspect to going through times of spiritual drought. I think that that's part of the process. I preached recently about Elijah and the spiritual drought that he went through. Uh, and a time when it's just a, a part of life where they're going to be... Everything's not always going to be great. Everything's not always going to come easy. There are going to be times when it, it, where, where the, our relationship with God is laborious. Where we have to work at it. And by the way, any relationship in your life that you have that's meaningful is, that, is the same. Now, I've been married for 31 years. I understand what it's like to go through times when we have to work at our relationship more than we have to at other times. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it takes more focus and more work. Sometimes it's the same thing with parenting. It's the same thing with grandparenting, I'm learning. And it's the same thing with uh, all the different things that we go through in life and dealing with people that we deal with on an everyday basis. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it requires more effort. Sometimes it's hard. Uh, but there are times in our walk with God. There are times in our spiritual lives. There are times where we're here, we're checked in physically but we're not checked in in our heart we're not checked in mentally we're not uh, we we're doing all the things that say to the world around us yes I'm engaged and I'm committed to God but the reality is we know in our heart that we're not we're struggling it's a drought we read and it's like God's not speaking to us we uh, we go through all these things notice in verse number 10 with Daniel it says now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God as he did aforetime. Now here's what's changed. In verse 3, Daniel is on top of the world. I mean, he is the lead president over all of these counselors. But in the verses between 3 and 10, there has been a conspiracy. And in this conspiracy, these other presidents who do not like Daniel and who want his position, though they could not find anything legitimate to accuse him of, they just made stuff up. Not like we do in the sense of today, but as far as they made up a way to get the king to sign a law that would require Daniel's execution if he did what they knew Daniel would do. They knew his character. I mean, Daniel's not a young man at this point. He's has a, a decades-long career of, of serving God, of praying three times a day at this window, of doing the things that he does. There's no surprise where Daniel's going to be and what Daniel's going to be doing. And by the way, for most of us, there ought not be any surprise to where we are at specific times. It, it ought to be, there are some things in our life that should be regimented and like clockwork in our service to God. So they signed this law and they passed this law. And here's Darius, though he loves Daniel and he cares for him. He's not thinking clearly and he buys into this and he signs this law that he cannot change. And Daniel now knows the law is passed. This is not like Daniel went and prayed and they came to him and said, did you not know that Darius signed this law? No, he knew. He knew the consequence. He knew that if he did what he was going to do, that he was going to face the lions. You know what most of us would have done? Most of us, if we had the character to pray at all and weren't so afraid that we weren't going to pray, would have at least gone to the window and closed it and pulled the blinds. And we would have still knelt down, but we would have done it to not draw attention. But not Daniel. And he didn't go out to rub their face in it and just say, hey, look at me. You can't stop me. He just did what he always did. 
He just stayed true. He just stayed engaged. He just stayed faithful to serving God. And in this time of spiritual drought, where he's feeling, uh, how could he not wonder, God, why is this happening to me? How could he not wonder, God, what are you trying to uh, accomplish here? What are you trying to do here? And we see it's a time of spiritual drought. The second thing I would say about this is that it's a time of emotional isolation. He's now cut off. And even though the king loves him and wants to do what he can to help him, his hands are tied. So where's Daniel? He's isolated again. He was isolated whenever Nebuchadnezzar was going to kill everybody. We don't know where he was during, during the fiery furnace, which uh, I, that's one of the things when I get to heaven, I'm dying to know. Where was Daniel at whenever Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went to the fiery furnace? Because he was still part of this, and there's no way that you'll ever convince me that he bowed down. Where was he? We don't know. It's not really relevant. It's not important for us to know. But the reality is, is that Daniel, he, he knows what it's like to go through hard times. It's like the Apostle Paul, whenever uh, the Bible talks to us, uh, when Paul wrote that he knew how it was, that what it was like to abound, and he knew how to be abased. He knew how to, how, how to thrive when things were great, and he knew how to live for God and thrive spiritually when things were bad. And that's Daniel. He's serving God in this time of famine. It's a time of emotional isolation. And there are things that we go through when we're emotionally isolated. He's here, he's cut off, he knows that, the, that, that this is coming. He knows what's going to take place. It's not like he even really has a decision to make. He's got to go to that window and pray. But he knows what's going to happen when he does. Can you not picture the loneliness that Daniel would feel? I mean, when he was taken from his homeland as a teenage boy, uh, they, uh, they made a eunuch of him. He has no family. When he's gone through, and every indication is whenever they've come to him is that he lives alone. The isolation and the loneliness, the, uh, the depression that comes from being cut off and to being uh, hopeless and not knowing. I, I really think that Daniel probably expected that I'm going to go here and in all likelihood I'm going to perish in this lion's den. Now, maybe the Holy Spirit gave him some peace, but we don't know. Certainly he could have looked at the fiery furnace and said, if God saved them, perhaps he'll save me here too. But he also had to be aware of the fact that it could very well have been the will of God for him to give his life for the cause here. Whatever it was, he was willing to accept it. Whatever it was, he was willing to go to that window and pray. <coughs> but the, the loneliness, the, the depression, the fear. And here's the beautiful thing of this story to me. Daniel does not turn to God uh, or, or, or turn to God whenever he is going into the den uh, and start looking for him. God walks in there with him. And we'll come back to that a little bit more in a minute. But here's the other interesting thing. Here's Daniel going through all this. You know who he doesn't turn to for a counsel? The ungodly. He doesn't go to other people that are in a similar boat. He doesn't go to other people that are like-minded. He doesn't go to other people that are uh, where he thinks he's at spiritually. He, he, listen, if I'm in Daniel's shoes, I'm not going uh, to someone that's my equal spiritually, that's in the same current, uh, and I don't mean that doesn't sound right, but uh, that's at the same level that I'm at in their engagement with God. In other words, if I'm struggling spiritually, I'm not going to someone else that's struggling spiritually to get advice. If I'm going to, that's one of the foolish things that teenagers do, 
is that they go to other teenagers for advice that's life-changing instead of going to someone that actually can help them. And we do that as adults sometimes too. Rather than going to someone when I'm spiritually anemic, when I, rather than going to someone that is spiritually healthy, I find someone else out that's spiritually anemic because they're just going to make me feel better about my circumstance. I, I don't know about you, but if I'm in a boat that's sinking, I don't want somebody that's in a life raft that's leaking to come and save me. I want someone in a bigger vessel to come and save me. I, I want somebody that can solve my problem to help me. I want somebody that, uh, that's, that's, that knows, uh, that, that will tell me the truth, that will not spare my feelings, that will just put things out there so that I can get focused and get the help that I need. And that's the kind of man that Daniel is. He is a man who is not turning uh, to the other counselors for advice. He goes to God. And when we look at what Daniel's going through, he is in a time of the feast. He is now in a time of spiritual famine. There has to be emotions of isolation and loneliness and, uh, and despair and fear of what could be coming. But God is there. And what we see is that we've seen Daniel in the feast. We've seen him in times of famine uh, and throughout his life. It was a time of isolation whenever he wouldn't take the king's meat. And he didn't know if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were going to back him up or not. And he didn't know if he was leading them to their own demise, if they did. But he took a stand. And everywhere that you look, there's Daniel taking a stand when it's appropriate to take a stand. Engaged in ministry when it's time to be engaged in ministry. He does what he, what he knows is right to do. He serves God in famine, in the feast. And then thirdly, we see him serving God in the fire. Notice verse number 22. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouths. He went into the den. So he prays. He's taken into custody. He is, the execution order is signed. And you have to give Darius credit. Darius did not pawn this off on an underling. This is a man that he loves. It's a man who's his friend. It's a man that he's going to be responsible for his death. And he, and he gets up and he goes with Daniel to the den. And he's got some measure of faith. Daniel's life has already impacted his life because he says, your God's going to save you. Now, we don't know how much he believed that, but we know he believed it enough to stay up all night praying and fasting. But yet he was worried enough that he couldn't sleep. But we also know that when he came in the morning, though he gave the cry with trepidation, really not expecting much of, of, of an answer from Daniel. And he said, was your God able to save you? Hey, God, your God's going to save you. Now I'm praying on that God save him. Now I go there. Was God able to save you? But for a heathen king, that's quite a progress. It's quite an impact in Daniel's life on his. Of course, Daniel is spared. It's interesting that the king went and he sealed that with his own ring and he made the accuser seal it with their ring so that there could be no accusation that the king hid Daniel or that protected Daniel in some way. He did what was required by law and God intervened. He had to go into the fire. He had to go into the den of lions. And was what I was starting to say earlier is this. Uh, it, he served God in the lion's den, not because of the lion's den. You understand what I'm saying? There are a lot of people that serve God because they're hungry. 
There are a lot of people that seek God because they're sick. There are a lot of people that will search out God because they feel distressed or they feel uh, despised or they feel cut off or they feel like their life is overwhelmed. Daniel is not going into the den of lions saying, uh-oh, I'm going to the lion's den. This is certain death. God, where are you? I need you now. No, when he went into the den, he knew that God went with him. Amen. He went with God, not searching for God. And my friends, it's critical that we as Christians serve God continually so that when the fire comes, when distress comes, when depression comes, when attacks come, that we know that we are not searching for God, wondering where He is, but we go into the battle, we go into the fire, we go into the den of lions with our God. Amen. And when we go with God, we can accept what God brings. When we go with God and God chooses that it's our time to go home, then we can accept that grace and we can, uh, we can accept the will of God for our life. And we don't have to go with fear and despair. Listen, serve God in the den, not because of it. In the fire, not because of it. <coughs> Walk with Him. Love Him. Be faithful. Don't worry about, uh, don't worry about uh, what, uh, you know, the, nowhere here does Daniel say, where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were praying too. It's like we don't know where he was in, in the fiery furnace. We don't know where they are now. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. It doesn't matter what anybody else is going through. It matters on what has God done God, for me. What is God's will for me? What is God's purpose for my life and my family? And what's his will? What am I going to do? I've got to stay focused on him. And I'm saying this morning that the world needs to see God's people who are not just serving him when everything is wonderful and glorious, though certainly when everything is wonderful, we better be serving him. And they don't just need to see people uh, that turn to God whenever there's a famine. We should already be walking with him when the famine comes. Amen. And we, not, the world can't look and find Christ if all they see is people running and flocking to God when they're being thrown into the fire. But what a testimony it is whenever they watch us thrown into the fire and they know that the same God that we were praising whenever there was plenty to eat and plenty of safety and plenty of everything good is the same God that we're singing praises to as we're going into the lion's den. Amen. That's life changing. That walk with God, that serving God continually. I don't know about you, I don't think that I could exist very well if I was on a proverbial roller coaster in my spiritual life. We all have some ups and downs, but some people have ups and downs. I don't think that I could do that very well. I wouldn't, no one that does that's healthy. That's not what God's looking for in your life. That's not what he is looking for in my life. That's not what uh, God needs to show the world at large that Jesus Christ is our Savior and that he loves them and that he gave his life for them on Calvary's cross and that his life can change their life. What I'm saying is, is that Daniel lived a life in which he served God, not when it was easy, but always. He didn't just serve him when it was hard. He didn't just seek him when it was hard. And he didn't just seek him whenever there was a threat. He was always continually engaged in his relationship with the Lord, serving him. My friends, this morning, how engaged are you in your walk with God? How consistent are you in your walk with God? How devoted are we to the cause of Christ? 
I want to commend you for being here this morning. I'm not uh, meaning this to come across like I think that we're all a bunch of people that don't love God or that forgot who he is or where he is. I'm just saying that I understand in these times that the tendency is, is for us to not stop loving God, not stop serving God, but to grow complacent in our service to God. It's easy to do. But God needs us to be more engaged now than ever. I really believe with all my heart that God is working in this world and there's going to be tremendous opportunity to reach the lost. I would hope that it would be soon, but it might be in the next year or two. We don't know exactly what God's planning to do, but I don't want to waste time sulking in a corner, worrying about what's going to come or what. I just want to serve God the best that I can with all my heart, whatever the circumstance, every morning, every day, every evening, to the glory of God, because that's what he's done for us, and that's what he's made it possible for us to experience. And that's what the world needs to see. Daniel served him continually, in good times and in bad, in secret and in public. Even his enemies could not question his integrity. I wonder how easy for it is, is it for our enemies to question our integrity? How easy is it for our spouse, our children, to question our integrity? How easy is it for the people that we worship with to question our integrity, to wonder whether or not we really are engaged or we're really serious about the Christian life or we're really... I mean, there's a lot of things that we think that we never say. There are a lot of things that we see that we never bring up. And, but if someone had decided, Don, that they were going to bring you down, could they find something easily? A character flaw, a weakness. Because that's what the Satan does. He's our adversary. He wants to make accusation. What I'm saying this morning is that Daniel gave us a wonderful example of a man who was plucked as a child from the security and the safety of his home, taken to a foreign land, made to learn a new language, forced to take a stand, made a eunuch, made to live in isolation, threatened his life, threatened on more than one occasion. And what does he do? Every morning, every day at lunch, and every evening, he goes to his window and he prays. Amen. He serves God. Yes. He tells the truth at a time when telling the truth could get you executed. Amen. He didn't just tell people what they wanted to hear. He gave them the truth. And the truth this morning is this. I have to be diligent about my Christian life or I will grow complacent in it. The truth is this. I have to be diligent when drought comes, to stay the course till I find my way, or I'll never survive the fire. I'll never survive the lion's den. And my friends, all of us are going to go through times in our life when we're going to have a proverbial lion's den. And we're all going to go through times in our life when we're going to have some famine, and we're all hopefully going to go through some times when everything is just prosperity. No matter what you face, no matter what I face, may we serve the Lord continually.